You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, I'm so glad you can join us for this new series on spirituality this April of 2023 or whenever you're listening. As you know, I'm Krista Harden. I love having you for these podcasts where we can go deep and get real. And this whole month, we are going to be delving into issues of not just marriage, but faith and when faith really takes a turn that you weren't expecting, such as maybe a struggle in faith communities or trying to find faith communities. You might have community questions that range from how to work with a church family who hasn't understood mental illness or addiction or how to walk through adolescent issues, purity culture, or you might have bad memories of a a community of faith that disappointed you or let you down. We're talking about all that in addition to one of our bigger faith concerns that can get in our way, which is about overcoming father wounds. We have so many people who have been wounded by parents and by intergenerational trauma. And today we get the chance to talk to author and specialist Kia Stevens about this. And I'm really excited for this for us. So I don't want you guys to feel at all forced. I want you to know this is a show series that really is based upon knowing that everybody has questions. I want to give you the space to be free with your questions. And I want you to know that if you're struggling with a particular issue, you can expect this entire month to really cover a lot of the traumas and the hurts that we have around faith. And and we're still doing our series on the type by types on Wednesday. So don't forget that too. So I hope you feel like you can dig in and ask questions with me. And then today you're going to hear from Kia about so many resources that she holds for you as well. So we want you to feel so well resourced and as we get ready to begin, I have a fun treat I'm going to be starting each of the episodes with on Mondays, and that is a sneak peek out of my childhood diary because I almost called this series, Are You There, God? It's me, Krista, because I recently saw the movie coming out, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. And I've been so in the Judy Bloom books with my kids lately, and I recently even finished that one. And it was really just a reminder of all of these stories of boys and girls. And you know, I have both. If you've been talking with me here for a while, you know, I have some teens and a boy who's about to hit puberty. And it's just like so fun to to get to revisit these books with them because they're still so relevant today. But really, the Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret book and movie are really relevant in the sense of everybody from these early ages has questions about faith and God. And and that's exactly where I was in those little kid years. And I, I've talked about it. If you've been on this podcast, you know, you know, I come from the thinking type triad and uh, at times spaces of doubt that have really gotten in the way of my faith life. And some of that has been driven by community, a lot of it, most of it. So it's been really a joy to come back into faith and into a relationship with God. And after deconstructing as a teenager fully, you'll see in my diaries, there's so many hints of deconstructing already in the fourth grade. Uh, I really moved forward into a relationship with God and it, and it became important to have community and, and vital, like I said at the beginning, you know, but also really just important to just have a relationship with God. So even if you're listening and you realize spirituality is important, but you've been wounded by people, do understand that I'm one of those stories that can help you to feel comfortable to approach spirituality again, even if you do have a father wound or you did have a community that hurt you. And uh, I really think that with me having had both of those things and many others, and probably you besides too, it's nice to be reminded that we can have a faith life. And I, I believe Kia's episode today really is speaking to all of us in that way too, to further 
our growth path. As you know, you cannot put it all on your spouse. So it's vital that you take this time and space with us in this new series. And if you're in that space of between the, the you know, week between Easter, uh, you know, this whole week we'll walk through a loss and that dark night of the soul and into Easter again. And and we just want you to feel like we we get it if you're there ever. If you're just like, I'm having a dark night of the soul, like been there. But you know what? It's beautiful to have a holding place and space when you're there to say, look, I'm holding some faith for you that there is hope that you do have purpose and meaning. And I'm so grateful that we have each other here in this community. And I'm glad if you have people in your family that love you and a spouse, but I want you to understand if you're putting too much on them, like I've done at times, it's really important to come back from the ideals and the control that each type can do in a different way and start leaning back into your faith And maybe in a new way that you never have before because you're trying to be a bit healthier now. I hope this whole series will help you to be part of that. Also, don't forget in the show notes, we have Tyler Zach's conference, perfectly timed for April of this year, where he's really walking through with so many people that are speakers and writers on faith, including the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. And I'm so blessed to be part of those speakers as well. So make sure you check in the show notes for both the free conference that begins this week right now, or there's a bonus space where you can get extra freebies, extra tools, and watch it on demand anytime you like. So that's all in the show notes along with Kia's book and other goodies. Okay, now context of the journal entry. We pan out. Context, Detroit, late 80s, early 90s, and I am in the fourth grade. I am writing in my mom's personal Bible study journal, and there's a paragraph with each day, but I think it was a pretty good day, and sadly, the reason is, it says, I didn't have to go to church because it was clinics day. For that, you have to bring your parents, and mine aren't very outgoing. I can't wait till tomorrow, skating, and also today, I went bowling. It was fun. I got, guess what, a score 149. So (laughs) the first part is so telling of what you'll find in the rest of the journal. I did not like going to church and you can hear that there's a parent wound of some sort. And uh, and I've talked a lot about parents on this show, especially in the earlier seasons, but suffice it to say, sometimes we do have a parent wound. And in my case, my dad wasn't at all interested in leading us in a faith life. I don't know if there's any of you who had that experience too, but a dad who maybe ridiculed your faith or just said your mom was wasting her time or money, or maybe you've had that in your own relationship, whether husband or wife, or you've ping pong back and forth and each of you have had a dark night of the soul. But my dad had been really burnt out on church when they hadn't supported my mom through her mental health crisis or him very much. And so he was in a very burnt out space and he would later come back to that church in the fullness of everything possible, really, that you could come back to church in. But this was a very long drawn out season of my childhood where I was just aware that my dad was not, even though he was a teacher in a high school and a college, he was not outgoing at church. And so that really mattered to my social life as a kid. And it mattered to the way my faith grew and developed and my encroaching existential crisis in high school years. So I think that it's relevant for you to just dig a little with us and bring a journal to today's episode with Kia if you had anything like this as well, or even if you didn't, because it'll help you to get to know people more who may not share your faith or who don't understand it in the way that you had hoped they would. Sometimes we miss out on a relationship with God because of the people around. So I don't want you to miss out on either healthy people or especially God, because I know how desperate we are for spiritual growth and for a connection with our purpose, our creator, destiny, all of that. So Kia is a wife of 19 years and a mom of two, totally in the trenches with us who are driving kids around a lot. And she's a contributor for I Believe and Proverbs 31 Ministries. Her writing has been featured on Anne Voskamp's blog, Christianity Today, Crosswalk, Beloved Women, and Encourage. And she also has both Joe Saxon and Lisa Turkhurst recommend this book that you're about to hear about, Overcoming Father Wounds. And I love how Lisa says, hey, I'm a woman who's had a father wound and I'm definitely, I'm grateful we get to learn with Kia. Me too. Let's do it. 
Kia, we are so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here, Krista. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So we've been previewing just a bit before you came on about your book, and we're so excited for you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I am a teacher by trade. I I taught for 15 years and came out of the classroom. I think it was 2014 ish. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, I started my first blog, which was the father swap blog to help women exchange their father wounds for the love of God, the father. And then shortly after that, I kind of sidetracked and started a whole ministry now known as entrusted women to equip Christian women communicators of color. And that uh, ended up being the, that act of obedience ended up opening the door for me to get my first book contract uh, for overcoming father wounds, exchanging your pain for God's perfect love. And so here I am, I am a mother of two when I'm not writing and speaking to a tween and a teen, and I've been married for almost 20 years. So that is me in a nutshell. Ooh, that's so much fun to learn about you. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about your hobby. And that's a lot there. So we'll dig in, I hope, to lots of this. Um, But so beautiful about your book deal and how it came through this obedience. Um, Tell us a little bit about your hubby and even how you guys met. We always love to hear that on this marriage podcast. Well, let me start by saying we're polar opposites. So as public and as open as I am, my husband is that um, on the other end of the continuum. So, um, you know, but uh, we we met at church. We met at church. He was in the sound booth and I was on the praise team and he approached me. I, I shared this story in my book, but he approached me and said, hi, Key, I'm interested in getting to know you a little bit better. Would you consider going out on a date with me? And so at that time, the church that we previously attended, my pastor talked a whole lot about how to know, you know, your spouse and and opposites attracting and all of this. So when my husband approached me, I was like, oh, it's him. I'm going to marry him. <laughs> I knew it the night the night he asked me out. I was like, I'm going. I'm probably going to marry him. Really? And I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh my really. gosh! So he's opposite. In what ways would you say that are most obvious after all these years of marriage? Oh, so many ways. You know, um, he's introverted. I'm extroverted. He's a math person. I'm a word person. Um, I'm loud. He's quiet. <laughs> the list goes on. I mean, it's just. It's, he's um he's definitely um I say he's a genius. He he gravitates to facts and and numbers and and random information. And I love just people. I, I feel like I'm people smart, you know. So there there's just so many ways that we yeah. are yeah. different. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you guys have the the wheels are moving together. It doesn't mean they're perfect, but you have learned that you each have a different strength. I would bet that's something that's come of all oh, of these differences. Well, some of his strengths were prerequisites for the man I was going to marry. I was bouncing checks left and right. And so when we had our first date and he said, oh, I could tell you my financials all the way back to 1997. I was like, this is confirmation that I'm probably going to marry you. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. I- yeah, there were so, so many things that he said. He shared his vision with me at that first date we went on. And um, I, I was like, oh, I really want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of what God has called him to do in the world. And so there, there's just a lot of things. There were some things he knew about me specifically. I jokingly say, um, you know, my husband knew that I wanted to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, not necessarily behind a pulpit, you know, but, you know, to share the message, to be a public speaker. And that was something I never communicated to him, but he knew it. And, and so that was another confirmation for me of like, you know, you know, when, when Jesus was talking to Peter and he said, flesh and bone has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven, I knew God had shared that, given my husband that insight when he was not my husband. And so that was another just, you know, confirmation for me that I'm going to marry this man. Oh, wow. You had so many little touch points from God in this process. I did. I did. did. 
Wow. Which is a great reminder, I think, for listeners as they're processing maybe being single or wondering how do you know if it's the right person you're saying, like, just be patient because you'll find that person who fits the things that you're not so good at. Mm-hmm, sure. You know, and, and I also talked about, you know, some of the challenges we faced also in marriage. Uh, you know, even though I had the touch points, I also had my woundedness, my own woundedness, and and those began to reveal themselves in mm-hmm. um, during our courtship, you know, but I still clung to my touch points points, as you say, that that God was saying, this is the man I was supposed to marry while still trying to give focus to my wounds, which I know we'll get to in a little bit and um, really allow God to, to, to do some deep healing so that we could be at the place where we are now, where we're approaching 20 years of marriage. And I still love and like the man that I'm married to. Thank you, God, you know, where God has really smiled on our on our union. And I'm, I'm so eternally grateful. Oh my gosh. Thank you for, for giving hope here where people were processing this month about like, you know, we're always talking about marriage and how to make sure we're getting self-care so that we can bless each other. And we're always talking about different tips and ways we can grow with our Enneagram types. Um, but what we're not always talking about why I focus on this in April, especially is uh, the sense of like how God can enter that story. Because I like how you're both giving credit to your differences as well as how uh, you each had to lean into God. And then there's a grace that God gives also. So there's these three parts. Um, So thank you. So we're going to be talking about your book now. And I want to just invite everybody to hear a bit about why you felt like now was the time to write this book and tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Well, I actually felt like the Lord was leading me to write this book when I was in high school. Uh, well, the tale in the high school. And so when I went to college, I was working on a book called The Void because I had detected uh, a neediness and emptiness on the inside of me. I didn't really have the language uh, at that time to to say father wounds or fatherlessness or fatherless daughters. I, I didn't know those terms. I had never really heard those terms before. Uh, and so I just continued to work on this book that I believe God was nudging me to write all throughout college, graduate from college. Shortly after that, my husband uh, uh, approaches me and we start courting. So I get married. I'm bringing this book baby right on into the marriage with me. And, you know, marriage is like sandpaper. Uh, so the sparks will fly and, you know, we will get some of our rough edges will be smoothed out. And, and one of the things that came to light was this term father wounds. And so I re- remember being introduced to that term, uh, probably by a counselor. Mm-hmm. And then also I heard it subsequently later in messages by ministers. I heard it on television. I just started to hear it a lot. And then I began to do the research for the book and, um, it didn't, I, I continued to work on it, but there was a, a big hiccup there. Uh, I was only saving my book on my external hard drive, not in a cloud and not hadn't emailed it to a friend or anything like that. And so when I was teaching, uh, I had this, I was having a meeting and I remember having my external hard drive plugged into the USB of my computer. And I went to move from the teacher desk over to a kid's desk in order to have this meeting and the, and the external hard drive slipped out of the USB onto the floor and I lost everything. Oh uh, <laughs> oh. Yes, everybody, everybody had that same facial expression, the same sentiment. <laughs> uh, I lost everything and um, it, it was just kind of a death for me, really, to be honest. But now looking back, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. That was the catalyst for me starting the blog. A friend of mine said, everything you had researched, everything you had written, it's still mm-hmm. on the inside of you. So mm-hmm. I want you to consider starting a blog. And it, it was really great. It gave me a chance to engage with women who were just like me, to engage with women that I believe God was calling me to reach. And so from there, I just worked on my blog, started a YouTube channel, started a podcast, started doing all these little things, trying to just really be obedient to whatever it was God was calling me to do. And then he opened the door. Uh, I was completely surprised by it. After I had tried and tried and tried and given up yet again on this little book idea that I thought he was nudging me to write, I was introduced to my acquisition editor. 
I was friends with my literary agent before, you know, it was just all the ducks were pretty much lined up. And so when I signed the contract with Ravel Books, that's who my um, contract is with. It was three years from from that point. Mm. So I really look at this story. It's so unique. It's been over 20 years that I have waited to write this book, but it's really been God's divine timing. Mm. So when people say, why now? I didn't choose this time. I didn't choose this time when I originally got the contract. And they said three years from now, I was like, three years? What in the world? That's so long from now. You know what? What are we doing here? People twiddling our thumbs. I've been waiting for 20 years to do this. But it was God's um, perfect timing. I, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. And, and you know, when you look at the world today mm-hmm. and you see the the ramifications in society of the absence of the father, you know, one in four yeah. grow up in father absent homes. That's not even including those with a physically present but emotionally absent father. When you wow. look at all of the statistics, mm-hmm. the, the, the statistics that say children who grow up in father absent homes are more likely to become pregnant as teens, more likely to experiment with drugs and alcohol, more yeah. likely to engage in crime, more likely to live in poverty. And we look at society now and we can see all of the societal ills. Is there no wonder that Mm -hmm. this was God's perfect timing for this book, a book of this magnitude and of this nature and on this topic to come out in this season and at Mm -hmm. this time? There's no wonder. My gosh, you said that so well. Third times I've had chills in this interview. And guys, I live in Florida. (laughs) Newsflash, we don't get very cold here. So I'm so grateful because I'm feeling that with you. And I love to do, uh, we do a lot of micro here, but I love the big picture as well. And I often look all the way back and I go back to, uh, you know, a phrase my therapist uh, teachers used to say, the sins of the fathers. And, um, and, And just knowing that we have this generational cycle of leadership gone awry. And that, yes, beautiful women like Deborah and the Bible have lifted us up and shown us women can be leaders too. But there's still, like you said, a large gap. So I hear you saying it was time and this is the season to bring this to our listeners. Guys, this is not an accident that you're listening now, right? Yeah, I, I, I could not agree more. And, you know, I cannot go into any setting and say the title of my book, without a woman having a me too moment, whether she verbalizes it outwardly or not. I I can see it in their facial expressions. They may come to me after the meeting, like a Nick at night type of thing and say, (laughs) Hey, you know, my father, and then they spill out every single thing that their father did. Perfect women on planes, at retreats, in the airport, in the mall, at church, you know, wherever I am, women are saying, hey, me too. Mm. And this is what my dad did. And and I, I, this is how I feel about it. And I haven't been able to heal. They don't audibly say I haven't been able to heal. They don't don't verbalize that, but I hear it in their tone. I hear it in their disappointment. I I see it in their facial expressions. You know, so this is really a much needed book. It's it's tremendously needed. And and that's confirmed for me Mm. all the time, all the time. Oh, I'm so glad. And I love that you're really reminding us that, you know, and God had you and working with women of color and, and really now you're just even working with so many women who are sharing it's me too, me too. And even, I know we have about 20% of male listeners and I bet a lot of them are saying me too. So it's like, God continues to expand your ministry. I saw, like you said, uh, anywhere and everywhere you had Lisa Turkhurst, Joe Saxon talking on your Amazon page about how much they can relate. I mean, you've just been sharing such depths with us in this book. Tell us a little bit about what our readers can expect in terms of uh, just what they're going to meet in the pages, some of the things that God prompted you to write in terms of just dealing with some of the shame and the anger and the pain that we have from our fathers. Sure. I I hope who the reader feels like they meet is a friend, a sister that's Mm -hmm. saying, hey, girl, come hold my hand, grab some tissue, get a little bit of chocolate. 
pick your pick your poison and <laughs> let's do this together. Let's do this together. I, I think that's what I longed for. This is really the book that I desired as a woman. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of books out there on the market that were written by men for everyone. I wanted a book for women because our needs and our experiences are a bit different. And what we derive from our our father is a little bit different. So I truly believe, um, Krista, that that women are going to feel like they have a friend, that they have someone they can identify. I was on an interview uh, not too long ago and she said, oh my gosh, you're so vulnerable in this book. And when I think about father wounds, why on earth would I not be? Why on earth would I not be? Because where we go in terms of when we feel unloved and unwanted Mm -hmm. and not beautiful and not smart enough and not good enough, where we go when we were looking for our father to affirm us and to, to affirm our femininity and to, to say our, give us our value and tell us our worth where we go. It's not pretty. It is not pretty. This is not a book about highlight reels. I wish it were. (laughs) I I wish that was the book God called me to write. Yeah. But then I'm not even sure if anybody would pick it up, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because Jesus compels us to say, this is where I'm flawed. This is where I'm broken. But look at how the light of Christ Jesus has come in and transformed what was broken, Mm -hmm. what was broken beyond repair, what was torn to pieces. Look at my heart. Look at how God has put that back together. Look at what the relationship with my biological father now looks looks like. Look at what the relationship with my heavenly father looks like, because it hasn't always been that. And so this book is, is essentially my hand. It's my hand extended to, to women everywhere saying, you know what, come on. If you feel hopeless, there's hope here in this book. If you feel unloved, this book is here to tell you, sis, you are loved. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know whether you know father wounds by way of divorce, abandonment, abuse, incarceration, drug addiction, alcoholism, an affair, premature death, or a physically present father, but an emotionally absent one. But I want to offer you just a little bit of encouragement in this book through my story. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first so that you can know hope. Wow. Ah. What a gift to so many. And thank you for naming that so eloquently too, through the Holy Spirit, just knowing that so many women are even now being checked in their spirit of, you know what, maybe I didn't even feel I was qualified to say I had a father wound, but I've been acting out of it, living out of it because of uh, you know, the one who was there who was not present or the one who was there who was struggling with addiction or whatever, you're really giving them permission to invite them to take your hand into this book as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's my honor to do so. It's my honor to do so. I, I, I believe that God had his finger on my heart about this issue. And, and so what's difficult to capture, but I tried to capture is just the years of struggle. You know, if, if thank goodness that book was not published when I was, when I was 18 and thinking I knew everything and knew absolutely nothing because there is so much work that God has done in my life and in my heart. Uh, I share some of that, lots of counseling, mm-hmm. lots, some of the tools, the practical tools that I offer women, uh, one that's coming to mind is the forgiveness letter. And I remember sitting in a counseling session and the counselor said, have you written a forgiveness letter to your father? And I was really thinking she did not know what in the world she was talking about. I had just told this woman, my dad wasn't in my life. So what do I have to forgive if he wasn't there? And when I sat down to pin the letter and the template is inside of the book, but when I sat down to pin that letter, I could barely get through it. When I enumerated uh, all of the the times I wanted him there and he wasn't there and what I think happened directly and indirectly as a result of his absence, 
the tears just began to pour out of me. And it took several sittings in order to get through writing out that letter using the template. And then the next thing that the next thing that I did was I set an empty chair in front of me. I was in my bedroom. I had an empty chair and then a chair that I sat in. This is another counseling tool. And I read that letter to my my imaginary father. Uh, I never gave the letter to my father because it wasn't for him. It was a, it was an exercise for me to mm-hmm. forgive my father um, for the things that I felt he had done wrong towards me. And those two acts gave me so much healing uh, in terms of, of just really forgiving my father. But I not only put my father in the chair, I put myself in the chair because there were some things that I did, some ways I learned to cope mm-hmm. that that I needed to forgive myself for. Mm-hmm. And I not only put myself in the chair, I put God in the chair. <laughs> God's like, you don't put me in a chair. But I took <laughs> the imaginary, <laughs> you don't put me in the, in the chair, little girl. You know, but uh, I'm saying I, I found in my on my healing journey that that I had gotten angry with God. I was frustrated with God. I didn't understand some things. And so in the process of healing and and, and learning to accept the things that that I could not change, uh, I had to forgive God. I had to acknowledge, God, I'm angry with you. So, you know, just so much, so much that that in the journey that I, I try to unpack for readers uh, so that they can find themselves in my story and also find hope and healing. Mm, Yeah. Themselves in your story, because it's theirs too. I saw from your research in your book that you said 99% of the women you interviewed had a father wound and that over 40% still had not dealt with that. So I know that's a lot of our listeners right now. And so I love that you're saying it's not just as you write this letter, and this is a great practice you're inviting women to, um, that you're going to find it just this maybe one-stop shop, but this might be several times of setting with it or doing this with a coach therapist. And you're even saying, let God be part of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. You know, and I've written this book with questions at the end of every chapter and it's designed to be a a guided where you, you can go at your own pace. If you want to answer one question one day or one question on one month and then come back to it again, it's just, it's set up in a way that you can go at your own pace or you can go in a small group or with a trusted friend or a counselor. You can do that. And I think as we invite the Holy Spirit, who is um, is a wonderful counselor, as we invite the Holy Spirit into our journey, we will find that he'll guide our path. He will direct our path, whether it be to this book, which I, I believe this book is a great resource. It could be to a podcast mm-hmm. like the one we're listening to right now. It could be to a, a program, some program, but God in his sovereignty has a way of orchestrating the steps of our healing journey in, in a way that is palatable to who we are, mm-hmm. to our unique temperament. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us might need an in-your-face approach. Yeah. Some of us might need something more tender and gentle and 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 slow, you know. But that's the beauty of in- inviting God into our healing healing journey. He says in Psalms 139, I've formed you in your mother's womb. I know you. I know how many hairs are on your head before a word is on your tongue. I already know it. I already know it. So why would we not invite the God who knows us better than anyone beyond the Enneagram, beyond the disc, beyond Myers-Briggs, beyond any of that? God knows us Mm. intimately. And his knowledge of us encompasses our wounds. It encompasses what our father did and did not do, said and did not say. What our mothers did and did not do, said and did not say. God knows. So he of all people is the one who can walk us through the road from woundedness to healed and whole. Hmm. Yes. Oh my goodness. What a testimony just to hear you say, 
you're going to do this work and and take your time and and thank you for inviting us into that. I'm doing that with your book. I'm taking my time and I think that it's beautiful to honor that you said each of us has that temperament difference so that we can really yeah. allow God to shape us in his perfect timing versus rushing ahead. I have yeah. to do this. Or right. even you said, he's the one who's going to make us healed and whole. It's not going to be your father. So I love hearing your end of the story. And and yet I know a lot of women are like myself, father's already passed. There's going to be a different kind of healing with, with your heavenly father and a different kind of peace from your relationship with your earthly father. But, but change is coming, right? And don't be, uh, don't be looking to the left or right at how she's doing it or how he's doing it. Right. You know, and I'm so glad you mentioned that your father passed and I'm sorry um, for that. You know, my mom, the publisher wanted me to get permission from my father to share this story. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to get it from my mother and my father. So I gave my mom the book. She did all of the questions and she also did wrote the forgiveness letter out for my deceased grandfather. He's been deceased mm -hmm. over 20 years. Wow. And she also was able to find hope and, and healing. And, and the thing that I've learned about forgiveness is that it is not um, dismissing, denying, justifying. It is not reconciling with our, our uh, offender. It is not even for our offender. Forgiveness is for us. And it simply means we relinquish our right to hold another person responsible for the wrong that they legitimately did do to us. We're not saying they did not do it. We're not glossing over the pain. We're not denying the pain. This person legitimately hurt us. What we're doing is saying my right to hold on to all this wrong and to be bitter and all that, I'm going to surrender that to God. And give it to him and trust that he is sovereign enough and omnipotent enough and omniscient enough and omnipresent enough to handle the wrong that has been done to me. And then we're also saying, acknowledging that it's both practical and it's supernatural. That there is a part that I do. I do the relinquishing. I do the surrendering. I do the giving up of this bitterness and anger. But mm. then I have to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Will you help me? Mm -hmm. Will you help my heart mm -hmm. and my mind to follow mm -hmm. suit? Because mm -hmm. I know it's going to come back up. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to be reminded of this wrong. I know I'm going to feel crazy and feel like I'm allowing this person to get away with what they did to me. Mm -hmm. Will you please help my heart and my mind to follow suit? And sometimes, Krista, we do it one time. Sometimes we do it two times. Sometimes we do it 50 times in one day of just asking the Holy Spirit, I've chosen to forgive. I have chosen to forgive. Please help me. I cannot do this in my own strength. And so those are some of the lessons that I have learned about forgiveness. And I've seen women walk this road with a deceased father and with a, a living father. Mm -hmm. With a father that says, I'm sorry, and with a father that doesn't think they've done mm -hmm. anything wrong. Mm -hmm. With a father that has, has owned up to what they did and with a father that will never own up to what they've done. Mm -hmm. I've seen this forgiveness journey take place. Wow. That is so hopeful. And so many people, including myself, are grateful that you have really considered that thoughtfully and prayerfully so that we can really receive healing. And it's there for us in these pages, in these really truly anointed pages. I also want to circle back to the fact, because I think this is so critical that uh, many of us including, uh, you know, in our Enneagram work, we kind of walk through what are the passions or the sins or the, you know, the mental fixations that we get stuck on per type. And a lot of that does uh, come back when you say, okay, I worked through the father wound, but what if I'm still struggling with some of the aftermath and I found these new patterns? What do you say to those readers and listeners who might be saying, yeah, I've had the father wound, checked the box, did the forgiveness, but these trauma patterns are getting me down. Sure. You know, for years, I would use this term father wounds. And, and it took me a while to realize there's an S on the end of the word wound, you know, and I really began to think to say father wounds is, is too 
it's too narrow. It's too limiting. I really need to unpack what it is that has happened to me uh, in terms of what type of wound do I have? Mm-hmm. And so the way that I have looked at, it, I really believe this came from God is, is that we're trial beings. Mm-hmm. We're part body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we can incur a wound in any one of those places. Mm-hmm. Certainly if we have a body wound, it could be a physical wound or a sexual wound. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, if it's a spirit wound, this is where we commune with God through our spirit. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, we're having a difficult time co- communing with God, our heavenly father, because we have a spirit wound. Mm-hmm. And then as it relates to our soul, the soul is comprised of the mind, of the will and the emotions. Mm-hmm. And so there could be a myriad of wounds there. We could have trust wounds. We could have acceptance wounds. We could have a love wound. We could have a provision wound or affirmation wound. All of these different wounds are going to reveal themselves in various ways in our lives, in the way we engage with the opposite sex, in the way we engage with ourselves, in the things we say to ourselves in the mirror, in the way that we engage with our children. And so one of my favorite authors, and I quote him in the book, Dr. Charles Whitfield, he's the author of Healing the Child Within, highly recommend that book. But uh, one of the things he says is that the degree of the wound is directly correlated with the amount of time it will take to heal. And so if we have a, a sexual wound, our father has violated us sexually and and let me just say I'm sorry I'm sorry if that is your story Mm -hmm. that wound might take us a long time to heal and it's difficult to quantify how much time that's going to be I know I can't say it's going to be one year or two years or three years or four years. I can't say that. And what I also can't do is is say when and where you'll be triggered, Mm. when and where you'll be triggered by the trauma that happened to you. What I can say, because this is what I've done in my own life, is to give yourself the grace Mm. to grieve. Mm. And grief is not linear. Yeah. Grief, grief is cyclical. Sometimes I, I, I jokingly said, sometimes my grief is a spider web. It, it jumps over there and then it cuts across and it goes up and it comes down. You know, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm, I share this at the tail end of my book because I want to be brutally honest. I still cry. Yeah. Mm. I still cry. Mm. God has done an amazing work in the relationship between myself and my father, but there are some things mm-hmm. that I still grieve, Krista. Yeah. I may continue to grieve this until I see my savior face to face. Yes. And I think that we serve a God that's not intimidated or afraid or, or nor does he want us to take all of our emotions and shove them up underneath the rug because nobody has the time or the bandwidth to deal with it. Yeah. I think we serve a God that says, I understand why you're crying. Yeah. We serve a God who wept mm. at the at the burial site of Lazarus. Yeah. You know, he is an emotional God. Yeah. So I think that for your listeners that are saying I, I'm still feeling re-traumatized or I'm re-experiencing what happened to me, I think God would say grieve. Mm. And 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 if that grief requires you to uh, seek the assistance of a licensed professional, Mm -hmm. I would say Christian counselor, by all means, by all means, Mm -hmm. take the time that is needed to heal whatever it is from whatever you have been traumatized by. Uh, Be patient with yourself. Don't get frustrated if you're still crying when you see a a dad lovingly engage with his daughter in Target. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. if you didn't experience that, that may be triggering. That may be painful. And I think that God would be okay with you taking a moment Mm. to grieve. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for reminding us that even though Lazarus is being raised, there's Jesus weeping. And, and so we have this God who sometimes from our own father wound, um, we've read some of us faith of the fatherless by Paul Vitz. And I love how you say like, we're, we're talking to women here now too, not just men. Um, yeah. but, but we're really noticing that we can blame God for the things that are, even our fathers have wounded us with. So thank you for reinviting us back in. If we have some bitterness there, um, to the patience of God and the steadfastness and the compassion of God. Um, those, this is just a beautiful reminder for us because as you said, um, it isn't always, so linear. And I love the spider webs analogy. Um, I love that you're reminding us to lament as needed, uh, which is a regular practice I do as well. Um, but tell us if you have any sense for, you mentioned it and hinted at it earlier, um, marriage. So many here know that spouses have said, you're just like your father, you know, or mother, but tell us a little bit about how we can hope or expect your book to help us through some of these difficult spaces in marriage where these wounds show up. Sure, sure. And I want to touch on just real quickly, you know, I did have moments in my walk, in my healing journey where I blamed God, but I I do want to point out to the listener, I didn't stay there. I did not stay there. Uh, I, I have come to realize that just because God allows things that are painful and difficult yeah. and dark, that is not a reflection of who God is. God is good. Yeah. God is just, God is righteous, God is loving, God is compassionate. And, and oftentimes what we are experiencing is a byproduct of the sin that entered the world with it by the decision of one man. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to make sure and say that, that I didn't stay in that place of pointing my finger at God. Yeah. Uh, I, I did do that and he allowed me to do that but uh, I'm at a different place now and that's my prayer and my hope for any listener that finds themselves at the place where they're they're shaking their fist at God questioning how he could allow a tragedy or a hardship or a dark moment in their lives um now let me pivot and go over here to um marriage you know, uh, I, I was on a, a radio program and, and a woman said uh, almost as if she was having this epiphany in the moment. She says, uh, can, so can I see these father wounds in my marriage? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. Yes. Yes. I, I spent all of chapter four on marriage. Yeah, I loved how you had uh, <laughs> chapter four. Thank you. <laughs> I did all of chapter four in marriage. In fact, I remember sitting in service one day and and the minister, he was doing this fictitious banter um, saying uh, a pickup line that someone might use to, to get a woman. And so he says, this is the pickup line. So do you have father wounds? And, and the imaginary woman says, no, I, I don't have father wounds. And he says, oh, well, I'm not interested in you. I'm looking for a woman that comes into this relationship roaring angry and blames me for everything that she's mad at her father about. And I'm sitting in this sanctuary like, wait, wait, what, what did he just say? Gosh. What? What on earth did he just say? You know, because you basically just described me. And how come nobody ever told me that? And why didn't we cover this topic in premarital counseling? And why didn't somebody say it in my all-women's college? And why is this my first time hearing it? I've been in the church my entire life. This is all this stuff is happening with my husband right next to me. You know, I, I was really feeling some type of way. And so um, the answer is yes, it does impact our marriage. Um, we can redirect our anger that we haven't dealt with towards our father. We can redirect it um, inadvertently towards a spouse. Uh, we can also look to our spouse to provide the needs that our biological father did not meet. Um, and so really in marriage, we have to learn to get our needs met from God. We have to realize God is our source. Mm -hmm. our, our our spouse, God may use our spouse mm -hmm. to encourage us and to love on us and to even um, provide some comfort for some things we're still grieving that happened to us in our past. But we don't want to come to our, our husband demanding, I need you to meet this need. I need you to do this now. I need you because this is not going to work. I've tried many times. 
I've tried many times. You know, that's not going to work. And it really mm-hmm. sets us up for failure when we place another person in position to have to meet our needs because mm-hmm. people are flawed and people are finite. They have bad days. You know, they have a hard day at work. You know, mm-hmm. you know, they stub their toes. And so they might speak to us out of having stubbed their toes. And we're like, why did you say that to me? Like, they're like, but I stubbed my toe. You know, so I'm I'm being facetious. Yeah. But I, I'm doing that to talk about a, a heavy issue in marriage. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're going to our spouse to get our needs met, it really sets us up for failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that includes the needs that went unmet from our biological father. Uh, and so I kind of unpack that in my book, just um, the journey that God took me on in terms of deriving my needs from God. Right? Oh my gosh. Where can they get this beautiful book and just make sure that they connect with you also on a, a level of just getting to know your other work as well? You can find me on the internet at www.kiastevens.com. If you're interested in the book, you can find it at www.kiastevens forward slash books. All my social media are linked there. I hang out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you want some more of me, or you could just do a Google search and put in overcoming father wounds and all these little pink books should just pop right on up. I'm so glad. Yes, that's exactly right. They're beautiful. Some of my favorite colors. So very Yay. excited about your pink and purple there. And yeah, um, this is very just, girly. it is, it's the best. And I, I love that side. Um, that's actually my two favorite colors. And thank you for taking these three years and even onwards of decades to give us such a beautiful, full source here. Mm. My pleasure. It's my pleasure. Oh, wow. That was so good to get to talk with Kia. And I'm so grateful. What a beautiful gift of speaking she has. Make sure that you grab her book, have it in the show notes, and you'll see her links. Make sure if you just want to spend some time with us, soaking up some spiritual growth, time with God, not just about God, uh, that you do that this month. And check out in the show notes, Tyler Zach's conference that we'll all be at sharing as well. Make sure you get yourself on a good, healthy routine get some good rhythms going so you can invite this part of your life back in if you don't have any time for this right now. And I'm really grateful for you and I'm really proud of you for working hard with us on your growth. And I'm so excited for you to have a space to process that with with God. So keep on listening, keep on doing your work. You're making the world a better place because you're taking this initiative and it matters and you matter. Okay, bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as Enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.